Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Lamb's Hill USPSA Podcast. My name is Daryl, and I will be your host. Got a couple of things to go over today. We have some election results from the Area 6, Area 8, and the presidential election. We'll get to those a little bit later in the episode, but before that, We have got some uh, Area 7 Championship stuff to talk about, uh, how I shot, what I saw, and uh, just what I thought of the overall match. So if you are ready, stand by and let's get going. All right, so starting off with Area 7. Uh, the match was held about a week ago at the time of this recording. Uh, it was July uh, 14, 15, and 16, 2023 at the Hamden Rifle and Pistol Club in Hamden, Maine. To my knowledge, uh, it will be the last Area 7 to be held in Hamden for at least the next couple of years. Um, it was announced on uh, on Sunday that the next location for the match is still in work, so I do not have any information on where that might be yet. I have heard everywhere from Staten Island, New York, to the SIG Academy. Um, who knows? Um, but we will find out, hopefully, shortly. Um, I may attend next year's Area 7. I may not attend next year's Area 7, but as far as this year's, um, I did about my my normal level of shooting. Um, I've, I've been having an issue. I noticed it at Trident last month as well, um, and it, it popped its head up a couple of times. Uh, this time I was actually talking to uh, my good friend Lee Cabana on Saturday at Area 7 during lunch, and he even mentioned that he noticed I've been having this problem lately. And for some reason, I am having random intermittent feed jams with my gun. And I don't know why. I did put a new, um, a new return spring in it and a new guide rod. That may be the issue. That may not be the issue. I put those in before the Frozen Chosen in January, and I don't remember having this issue. But it's it's completely random, completely intermittent. I can shoot two, three stages and not have an issue. But then all of a sudden, five rounds into the next stage, it'll happen again. And then I'll go another two to three stages not have an issue, and then it'll just randomly pop up again. So, gotta gotta get out to the range, get some practice time in, and figure that out because it's really starting to bug me. Um, I can't really say it's it's hurting my performance. Yes, I'm sure it is. Obviously, um, 
but it's just one of those when you're shooting, you're just instead of focusing on the targets and getting your hits and getting into the positions you need to be in, you are constantly thinking about when it, what's going to happen next. You know, when, when is this going to occur? Um, so, yeah, there's that. I'll get it figured out one of these days, hopefully. As far as things that I saw, um, obviously I shot on Friday and worked Saturday and Sunday. Um, yeah, saw a couple of very, very interesting things. Uh, the first one, and I'm still trying to get my brain wrapped around this also, had a competitor, I was running timer, <clears throat> uh, one of my fellow ROs, Luther, was running the shooter, and the shooter comes out of the start position, he fires two rounds at a paper target, fires around at steel popper, missed the steel popper, goes for a follow-up shot on that steel, and comes to a dead stop. Luther tells him to stop. So I'm thinking, okay, what just happened? He's got a squib, something like that. So next thing I know, they're calling for anybody else in the squad that might have a squib rod. And I'm thinking to myself, um, okay, well, Luther told him to stop, so he's technically not on the clock. But that needs to be taken care of at a safe table. Why are we doing this on the bay? So they're looking for a squib rod. Somebody says, oh, I got one, but it's a steel one. You know, whether you care or not, I don't know. So now I'm curious as to why they're going to take care of this on the, you know, right there on the stage versus taking the firearm to the safe table. He had already dropped the magazine and all that. So technically the gun was clear with the exception of the bolt stuck in the barrel. So I walked over and I just happened to poke my head over the competitor's shoulder, looked in the chamber of the firearm. There's a handgun. He had the slide lock to the rear. And I looked in the chamber and I am looking at the truncated end of a blue bullet. Hold on a second. Something something is not right. Something something's wrong here. So they get a squib rod and they go in from the chamber or from the muzzle end and they poke this out and I I swear to you, I am not making this up. It was not just the bullet in the barrel. This was the entire round. Bullet, case, primer, everything. Somehow, and I am sure I will never, ever see this again, somehow the entire round was in that chamber backwards. I am not making this up, I swear. The whole thing. 
They put the squib rod in from the muzzle end, just gave it, didn't poke at it, just kind of slid it in and then gave it some firm pressure because now you're on the primer end of this round. Gave it firm pressure and it slid right out of the chamber and out the back, out the bottom of the magazine well. And I'm looking at this thing going, how in the hell does that happen? I mean, I can see it kind of going in a little bit, but when you're looking in the chamber and all you see is the the truncated end of the bullet, you couldn't even see the brass of the case. The entire case was backwards in the chamber. The only thing that was sticking out of the chamber was the bullet. I was amazed. So now what do you do? Well... Technically, the RO told him to stop due to what he thought was an unsafe situation. Granted, yes, it was an unsafe situation, but it wasn't a squib. So the CRO and the shooter had a conversation off to the side. We ran another shooter, and then they decide, okay, let's call for the RM. So we call for the RMs. There was uh, Dave Bolden and Lee Cabana. They come over. Luther goes over with the shooter. Tells them exactly what happened, what he did. You know, yes, he told the comparator to stop. And they hemmed and hawed about it and went, well, technically it wasn't a squib. And you told him to stop, so he gets a reshoot. Okay, problem solved. So ran the rest of the squad through, gave that comparator a reshoot. And uh, and that was that. Um. The only other thing that I saw on Sunday... Now, Saturday and Sunday were, were kind of different. Saturday, we had ROs at each bay. So every bay had, in our case, we had four or three ROs and a CRO. So we had four guys. Sunday, we had some ROs that had to leave. They couldn't stick around for Sunday. Um, we also had some R some ROs that worked Friday and Saturday and then shot Sunday. So what they ended up doing was embedding three or four ROs into each squad. We also had, we were kind of short on squads for Sunday. We didn't have all that many. So we had, ended up having three of us, um, Myself, Darren Haug, and Justin Wheeler were with a squad on Sunday. And Darren was also the CRO for the bay that I was on on Saturday. So Sunday, we were running through, and we had, oddly enough, this was on the exact same stage that I worked on Saturday. It was uh, stage six over in Bay 5. Apparently, Bay 5 at Hamden Rifle and Pistol Club is like, they, they might as well just call it the the Lambs Hill USPSA Bay or, or the Johnson Bay or something. Because last year at Trident, I was in charge of Bay number 5. This year at Trident, I was in Bay 5 again. <laughs> and then, you know, as the CRO, and then... This year at Area 7, I was in Bay 5 again as a regular RL. 
Now, I'm not I'm not complaining. I I don't mind working Bay 5. You can put me wherever. I'll be happy as a clam. Um, the one the one thing with Bay 5 though at HRPC is that particular bay is I believe a 120 yard bay where the bays on either side, bay 4 and bay 6 are only 50 yards. So, particularly at Area 7 this year, they had our stage set up deep in the bay, which is fine, but then when you've got people next door over in Bay 4 and in Bay 6 shooting steel, um, yeah, some of that steel tends, you know, some of the, the rounds off of that steel tend to frag and come over in our bay. We actually had um, one of our ROs, Luther, on Saturday, take a piece of frag from Bay 4, Stage 5, because they had two stages in one bay over in 3. So a piece of frag came off a piece of steel from Bay 4, came over the berm, hit, Luther was downrange scoring targets. It actually came up and glanced off of the left the bottom left edge of Luther's ear pro left a mark on his ear pro. Luckily, he had the over-the-ear muffs. Left a mark on the bottom edge of his ear pro and hit him in the neck. He was fine. Um, you know, a couple of minutes of direct pressure and the bleeding stopped. And he continued on with the day. It was no, you know, it was like it was no big deal. But he did walk over to Bay 4 and say, hey, just so you know, we're we're catching frag over here. You know, and one of them just hit me in the neck. Um, you know, I, I, I felt it was kind of a big deal. And then he showed me his ear pro and showed me the actual mark on his ear protection from that piece. And I was just amazed. Um, you know, it, it came over with that much energy. So, something to, to be mindful of. Um, the only other thing I saw on Sunday was one of the PCC shooters on Bay 5, uh, Stage 6. I was running him through. He ran through all the targets, got to the final two targets, and had... It wasn't a double feed. It was the spent case was not completely out of the chamber by the time the new round was being loaded into the chamber, so it kind of wedged both rounds in there. The the empty case on the top and the, the live round on the bottom just kind of wedged them in there. Um, so I saw what happened. He recognized what happened. As far as I'm concerned, there's not a round in the chamber. You know, fully in the chamber. There's no way this gun is going to fire. So I essentially put him on the two-minute clock. So per the USPSA rulebook, if you have a malfunction that as long as it's not an unsafe situation, like a squib or something like that, per the rulebook, you have two minutes to remedy that problem. So I, I let him work through it. He locked the bolt back to the rear, dumped the magazine. He was in there trying to at least get one of the, you know, one of the pieces out so it would free up the other one. Then he could 
go back. He he fiddled with it, fiddled with it, fiddled with it for about 30 seconds, and then he finally looks at me and says, okay, I'm done. All right, I hit the stop button on the timer. We were using the AMG Lab Commander, um, which does have a stop feature. Um, I believe that is in one of my YouTube videos. Uh, let me get into YouTube here on um, how to... I've got a couple of videos. I've got one kind of a review of the timer, and then I've got another one on how to operate it with Practice Score. Uh, so if you haven't if you haven't checked those out, look those up on the YouTube channel. Uh, I believe it is in I believe I mentioned it in the um, in the review video on the MG Lab Commander um, how you can actually make it stop listening for shots, uh, which is can be helpful. Um, I usually don't use it until I have given the if clear hammer down holster command or for PCC if clear hammer down flag um, for revolver cylinder closed holster you know if clo if clear cylinder closed holster so once I give that command and the competitor is now prohibited from shooting I will then hit that button um, so then after he announced he was done we recorded the time uh, Somebody came over with a pair of with a Leatherman, pair of pliers. He was able to reach in, grab one of the rounds, extract it. Gun was made safe. Everything was right with the world. Um, he only had the last two targets left, so he ended up with only four mic and two FDSA. Um, that was that was really it. Those those three things, um, the bullet in backwards, the the two round or the two case jam in the PCC and uh, Luther essentially getting shot in the neck by a piece of frag. Um, that, that was really it. There was nothing, nothing else really big that, that occurred there. Um, I do want to, <clears throat> I want to thank Dan Wiswell, Neil Merrill, Bernie Philbrook, uh, everybody at the Hamden Rifle and Pistol Club that, have put so much into the Area 7 match the last two years. Um, thank you to those guys. Uh, thank you to the HRPC Board of Directors for allowing the club to do this. Um, yeah, I, I hope Hampton gets to uh, gets to host another area match here in the not-too-distant future. Other than that, um, yeah, we got, got Trident going on next year. Um, so be going from from two majors down to one but yeah is what it is so the only other thing we've got going on is election results so let's get into those All right, so if you have been living under a rock lately, we had an election. Uh, three of them, actually. We had Area 6 Director, Area 8 Director, and the President. Now, for those of you wondering why there was a presidential election when there was just a presidential election last year, Yemen um, Lin won the presidential election last year. But that was only to finish off Mike Foley's term. So Mike Foley's term ended, or was supposed to end, 
had he not left, um, December 31st of this year, 2023. So this is a normal presidential election, uh, which happens, I believe, every, every four years. So as far as Area 6, we have uh, only two people running. We have Vincent Lucchetti. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And we have Russell Fortney. Uh, out of 2,703 eligible voters in Area Oh, this is Area 8, I'm sorry. Area 8, Russell Fortney, Vincent Lucchetti. Out of 2,703 uh, eligible voters, there were 728 votes cast, which equals out to about 27% of the Area 8 membership. Uh, with Vincent Fortney, 451 votes at 62% to Vincent Lucchetti's 277 votes and 38%. So Russell is the clear winner there. Congratulations to him. Area 6, we had three people running. We had Ben Barry, Kyle Stevens, and Matt Hopkins. Uh, Matt Hopkins, if you remember, was already on the board of directors. And uh, not quite sure what happened there, but he is no longer. Uh, So... Out of 5,141 eligible voters, there were 1,305 votes cast, or 25% of the total membership. We have Ben Barry with 492 votes at 38%. Kyle Stevens, runner-up at 462 votes, 35%. Matt Hopkins, 351 votes, and 27%. So Ben Barry and Kyle Stevens will be going to a runoff. Speaking of runoffs, we have the presidential election. So the presidential election saw a grand total of 6,100 votes out of 26,007 eligible voters. So it's about 23%, which is, well, let's just say average for a uh, for a presidential election, um, it's it's actually an uptick from what we saw last year, uh, but there were also a lot more eligible voters last year. So, uh, top of the pile with one thousand six hundred eighty three votes, twenty eight percent was Emin Lin. Uh, Runner up was Luigi Lee at one thousand five hundred twenty five percent. Todd Jarrett was third at 1,474 and 24%. Ray Hurst came in fourth at 625 votes or 10%. Steve Wright was fifth at 377 votes, 6%. Steve Moneypenny in sixth at 332 votes, 5%. And apparently nobody likes Dexter Lopez. He only received 89 votes, which was 1%. Wow. Nobody likes him, apparently. Don't know why. Don't know him. Never met him. But the numbers don't lie. So, uh, Luigi Lee and Yi Min Lin will be going to a runoff election. And this brings up a very interesting problem. If you remember... From the last couple of months, or if you listened to the last episode of this podcast, Yi Min Lin had a 
disciplinary issue in which his range officer certification was revoked. Now, he is still a member of USPSA. However, he is no longer a range officer. And because he is no longer a range officer, he could not um, fulfill the duties of USPSA president because due to the bylaws, you have to have an RO certification to be president or be an area director, you know, stuff like that. So Yemen was essentially booted out of the presidency. Now, he essentially just won the election for a term that starts January 1st, 2024. Now, he does have a um, an appeal, or not really an appeal, but um, it was noted there was a vote taken amongst the board of directors, and they all voted that he could petition the board uh, to possibly have his RO certification reinstated. So obviously, in, in my opinion, he's going to have to do that if he wins the runoff. He's going to have to do that prior to being seated, essentially. But what if that doesn't happen? Or what if he what if he wins the runoff? He petitions the board, and the board says, "No, we're not going to give you your RO certification back." Or they tell him, "Oh, okay. Well, we'll we'll give you your RO certification back, but you have to do some stuff for us." Um, kind of like they did a couple of months ago when they when they stripped him of the presidency. Um, they basically told him, hey, you have to do some stuff. You have to admit you did wrong. You have to undergo you know, remedial training. You have to do this. You have to do that. And Yi Min basically said, no, not doing that. Have a nice day. Um, so what if they do that again and he says no again? Or what if they just flat out say, no, we're not giving it back to you? Well, then you're going to have an individual who is going to become president and they don't have an RO certification. How, 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 how does that work? I mean, how does that work? Come on, guys. So, oddly enough, and I hate to say this, but I actually kind of saw this one coming. I really did. Because if you follow social media, um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all those, um, that new one that Facebook has out that is supposed to be like a Twitter clone that um, Twitter and Elon Musk have actually filed a lawsuit basically saying that some high-level Twitter executives that decided to leave Twitter took all the Twitter ideas and went over to uh, to help what's his face there with Facebook create this this Twitter clone um, 
and a bunch of that stuff was copyrighted or trademarked or whatever, and that's illegal. Um, yeah. <laughs> so if if you believe all that stuff, um, or if you read through all that stuff, a lot of people flat out do not like the USPSA Board of Directors. And I, I've said it once and I'll say it again. If you don't like the USPSA Board of Directors, you don't like what they're doing, you think things need to change, um, put your name on a damn ballot. If you want to change USPSA, if you want to try to change the org, the only way that you're going to change the organization is by contacting your area director and telling them what you want changed. But if you don't like your area director or you don't like the entire board of directors and you think they all need to be replaced and start fresh, well, I personally say put your name on a ballot. If you know, if you want to be a member of the board, then try to be a member of the board. I mean, we've got all kinds of armchair quarterbacks sitting here saying, "Oh, well, well, you know, they should change this and they should change that, and the board is just doing whatever the hell they want for for the sake of themselves." Okay, and what are you doing trying? What what are you doing to try to change that? Oh, that's right, nothing. You're you're a keyboard warrior. You're bitching about it on Facebook. All right. Get a damn ballot. Get some people to sign it. You know, or a petition. Get some people to sign it and put your name on the damn ballot. Anyway, I'm rambling. I digress. So this this is going to be interesting with, with all the people that, you know, do not like the board of directors and don't like what they did to ye men. Um, I, I kind of, I kind of saw this coming. I, I honestly did. I, I figured a lot of people were going to vote for him just because they want to see him get back in. And basically they want to, um, let's just say, uh, give a middle finger to the board of directors. Say, you know what? You want to play this game? Well, here's to you. We can play this game too. So let me know what you think uh, about the entire situation. Um, you can reach me via Facebook, uh, Instagram. Uh, let's see, the YouTube channel. Leave a comment on one of the videos. Send me an email directly, lambsealshooting at gmail.com. Uh, the Discord server is still up. Um, there's pretty much zero activity on it. There's only like three or four members, so I I think I'm just going to kill it, um, unless you guys say otherwise. So let me know what you think, comments, questions, suggestions for future content. Um, oh, one more thing that I forgot to mention. Speaking of content, um, I actually had a gentleman at the Area 7 Championship on Saturday. Um, his squad came into the bay. They were doing a walkthrough, um, you know, doing their four minutes. And this guy came over to me and he said, I got a question. And I figured it was a question in the course of fire or something like that. And uh, I said, yeah, what's that? He says, uh, are you the Lambs Hill USPSA podcast guy? 
And, and to be perfectly honest, this is like the first time that somebody has actually come out at a match and and asked me, hey, are are you that guy? You know, I, I've had a couple of people, you know, come over and say, hey, I recognize you from the podcast or I recognize you from the YouTube channel or whatever. But this was the first first person that actually come over and go, hey, are, are you that guy? I, I listened to the podcast. So I said, yeah, yeah, that that's me. And I'm I'm waiting for, dude, you suck. You don't know what you're talking about. You're, you're you know, every, everything you do is boring and puts me to sleep and whatnot. Because uh, I have actually gotten a few comments on a couple of my YouTube videos. Uh, one person claimed that I put him to sleep. Uh, obviously not enough to sleep to prevent him from writing a comment. Uh, I also had another guy say that, oh, this guy, you know, pulls into a parking space using his turn signal. Um, no, I actually don't. Uh, but this this gentleman at Area 7, very nice. He asked me if I was that guy. I said, yes, I am. And then he extended his hand and said, I, I really like your show. It's it's very informative. So uh, so that that guy, if he's listening, he knows who he is. Um, I just want to say thank you to that to that gentleman. Um, you know, you you didn't need to come over and and shake my hand and tell me that you like what I do. Um, but but it really it truly does mean a lot. So. So thank you very, very much. Um, I I try to do what I can for uh, for all you guys and keep you up to speed on what's going on in USPSA. Not everybody has the time to sit down and read through the meeting minutes. Um, I am going to try to get back on, on those and, and stay up on those as much as I can for you guys. Um, but uh but have somebody actually i mean he didn't really seek me out he was there with the squad but uh to actually come over and and uh and just thank me for what i do and tell me he enjoys the content uh that really does mean a lot so thank you very very much once again uh so that is about it from here again questions comments suggestions get them to me However you prefer, YouTube comment, email, uh, Facebook, Messenger, or comment, whatever, get them to me, and uh, and I will do my best to try to answer you back. Um, yeah, I don't know how many more matches I'm going to get to this year. Um, gotta gotta think about the whole ammunition thing um, and do it that. So. I am looking forward.